This is the Scale with Psychology podcast, where you're going to optimize your psychology to exponentially scale your business and become the ultimate version of yourself. I'm your host, Ani Manian, widely known as the Mind Whisperer and trusted advisor and psychedelic therapist to the world's top entrepreneurs and leaders. And I believe that entrepreneurship is a mental game. And the main constraint in any business is not the strategies and tactics, but the psychology of the founder. And with each episode, I'm going to help you take your life in business to levels you never thought possible. If you're ready to play the game of life and business in God mode, then this is the podcast for you. Welcome back to the show. If you heard the last episode, you have an understanding now of what it means to raise your level of consciousness. Now, there's many really, really beautiful and powerful reasons why you might want to do that. At lower levels of consciousness, we're basically run by our conditioning, by our programming, by the ego, which is essentially the sense of self that is conditioned into us. And what happens is it, at these lower levels of consciousness, we basically create an endless stream of suffering for ourselves. All kinds of stress, anxiety, overwhelm, fear, doubt, anger, a lot of reactions to you know lots of things, pretty much everything. We feel like we're basically a victim to the circumstances in our life. And we have a really hard time accessing the states that we want, such as peace, happiness, well-being. And we stay stuck in this uh, cycle, this endless loop of striving, of trying to find the things that we seek outside of us you know, looking for it in work, accomplishments, in the acquisition of objects, a new house, a new car, a new wife or husband. <laughs> we find we try to find it in food and alcohol and drugs and sex and all these things. And we live our lives in this sense of lack, like there's something missing. So I'll go into this really the reasons why um, at a deeper level in a future episode. But today I want to give you nine ways to actually raise your level of consciousness, to raise your level of awareness, the perceptual filter with which you experience your entire reality, the lens through which you experience yourself, your work your relationships, your body, your literal physical reality. And so you might be starting to understand that this is probably the most important thing you can do in life. You see, most people, they spend their whole life trying to change their external circumstances so that they can have a different internal experience of life, right? They spend decades working, trying to make a lot of money so they can feel safe inside, right? Because that money sitting in a bank account, they think is going to give them that internal feeling of security. And some people, they look for this sense of enoughness from their partners. They expect their partners to complete them. 
or they seek the company of other people. And in those moments when they find that sense of acceptance and approval, they feel good about themselves. And, you know, all these examples that I'm giving, I've, you know, I'm, I've been in all these places, right? I, for most of my life, sought my sense of self, my self-worth, my self-esteem from the outside. And I was susceptible to all these lower level of awareness behaviors. So today I'm going to give you the lessons that I've learned. And this is uh, a little personal for me because it was just my birthday a few days ago. And I was thinking about the kind of present that I want to give the world on my birthday. And, you know, the deepest, most powerful present that I can give you is a deeper level of awareness into yourself. It's to help you know yourself at a deeper level. And when we know ourselves at a deeper level, our life just gets so much better. It gets so much richer. It gets so much more peaceful. And it's just really profound because when we get our mind right, when we become more self-aware, every aspect of our life improves. So let's get into it, right? What's the first thing? The first thing is giving up this habit, this fixation of fixing and judging everything and replacing it with just observing and witnessing. So we are, as human beings, particularly as ego-driven human beings, obsessed with fixing and judging, right? We judge ourselves all the time. And most people, the way they talk to themselves is actually quite horrendous. I spent so much of my life talking to myself in you know, horrific ways, judging myself and labeling myself as broken and deeply unworthy and just incapable of so many things. And all it did was it kept me stuck in this feeling of not enoughness. And when I saw myself as broken, well, what do we need to do to things that are broken? We try to fix them, right? And so I, for, many, for a lot of my life, I became obsessed with trying to fix myself because I saw myself as broken. Now, this is probably one of the most insidious habits we can be in. Whether we direct this fixing and judging at ourselves or we direct it at other people in our life. And I've been guilty of both, right? So when this appears in ourselves, it appears as a sense of discontent. You know, we're never good enough. It appears as a lack of self-worth. We're always chasing, chasing something on the outside to fix our internal state. But the truth is, there is no outside solution to an inside problem. And so most people, they spend their entire lives in this treadmill of trying to fix themselves. And sometimes this appears well-intentioned. You know, people who are growth seekers, they go to a lot of seminars, they read a lot of books, listen to a lot of podcasts, perhaps like this one, and they become obsessed with this idea of improving themselves. And sometimes this gets projected at our partners, at our families. And with the holidays almost upon us, 
we get obsessed with trying to improve the people around us, improve our families, because we can see their so-called glaring flaws really clearly. So the shift that I invite you to make here is just become a neutral witness. Just observe. If you engage in a behavior that is tied to shame or you know judgment, like uh, if you raid the fridge in the middle of the night and you polish off a tub of ice cream, what if you just witnessed what happened without creating meaning? So what if you just witnessed the facts? I ate some ice cream. What if it didn't mean something about you? What if you witnessed the people in your life, your boss, your employees, your colleagues, your, uh, your partner, your mom, your dad? And what if the next time you notice that you start judging them or you start getting triggered, what if you just neutrally observe and witness what they do? And the key thing, the key difference, is that the witnessing is complete within itself. It's not a means to an end. It's not, oh, I observe this behavior and therefore I must do something to try and change it within myself or the other. And so at the core, this is a kind of acceptance. And this is a kind of acceptance that really liberates a lot of energy that gets trapped. This creates stress because we're always trying to change something. The second thing, which really flows in from the first, is notice the places in your life where you seek control. And in all those places where you seek control, invite yourself to just allow things to be the way they are. Maybe there's a part of your life where you're really, you feel very dissatisfied and your response to this dissatisfaction, maybe in your relationships, is to try and control the other person in order to change who they are, in order to shift who they are. Therefore, make them different so that your experience can be different. So this can apply to your relationships. It can apply to money. It can apply to your work. It can apply to you know, family again. It can apply to yourself. Is there a part of yourself, your own behaviors that are, you're really trying to control? right? And can you invite some more allowing in to that? And this is a double-edged sword because, you know, a lot of people think that if they don't control, right, then things will really fall apart. We really impose a lot of control out of actually fear. So behind the desire to control is fear, because if we are really unable to control the circumstances of our life, then deep down we're afraid that things will just fall apart, that the wheels will go off the bus and we're gonna crash and burn. If we don't control when we wake up with an alarm, then you know we'll just sleep all day. If we don't control our state with a lot of caffeine and stimulants, then we'll just be really lazy all day and not get anything done. If we don't control the behavior of our kids or dogs or peers or parents or loved ones, then they'll you know, keep doing the things that trigger us. So the invitation 
is to just allow. And maybe you just try this on for a day, two days, a week, and just notice what it's like to release that contraction, right? The contraction comes with the desire to control because we're really narrowing our consciousness, really squeezing it because we desire a certain outcome. We desire a certain different circumstance outside of us. Which leads to number three, which is let go of trying to change others and accept where they are on their journey. A lot of times in the relationships we have with the people around us, we think that in order for us to have a certain experience, they need to have a certain change in them, in their behavior, in their beliefs, in their mindset, and how they show up. And so because we see, we, we think that there is a causality between our outside circumstances and our internal experience, it you know makes perfect logical sense that we try to change our outside circumstances to change our internal experience. But what we don't realize is that there's actually a missing link between the outside and the inside, and that is our mind. Because what happens is our mind takes the perceptual activity that we perceive as our direct experience, that is color, shapes, sound, taste, basically the the inputs we get from our senses. And then the mind creates meaning and interpretation of all those things. So my partner might come into the room and say something angrily at me, right? to my brain, that's just inputs. That's sound, that's a visual input. I see her, I see her mouth moving. I hear the words, right? I feel the tone. But the kind of meaning that I make is gonna depend on my level of awareness. So if I'm really stuck at a lower level, if I'm really stuck in my conditioning and my ego and You know, the ego is always in a state of trying to survive. It's always afraid. It's always under attack, right? It's always trying to protect itself. So from that lens, my partner doing that is can start a massive argument. I might react. I might get really angry. I might get, you know, really outraged. How dare you speak to me like that? But at higher levels of consciousness, when I'm not operating out of my ego, I get the same impulses, I get the same stimuli, right? The same colors, shapes, sounds. But perhaps my reaction is actually of compassion. Perhaps my reaction is, hey, you seem really upset. What's happening for you? What's present for you right now? What do you need? Can I support you in any way? The difference here is that I didn't take what she said personally. Right? I didn't attach meaning or labeling or interpretation on that. And my internal experience didn't shift because of her. Right Now, this happens throughout the day with all sorts of people and all sorts of things. Right, So the key here 
is to really give up needing other things or other people to be different, right? Because our internal experience doesn't necessarily need to be affected by anything outside us, not other people, not our, the numbers in our bank account, not the state of our business, not the presidential elections. It doesn't really matter. Let no one have your peace. So next up is becoming aware of how our nervous system has been wired to respond to life. The thing is, we are not just these disembodied minds. We're actually a complex, intricate mind-body system, right? And the mind and the body are very deeply intertwined. And this is a two-way loop. So the mind shapes the body and the body shapes the mind, which means, you know, when we feel a certain way physically, we can experience that, say, tightness in the chest, and we can label it as anxiety. And then the mind becomes anxious and the mind starts racing. Or we can have a thought in our mind about this project that's due in a couple of days and you know, we haven't made much progress and we start getting afraid and we start getting anxious. And as we start getting, you know, anxious and we start notice having all these thoughts about the worst case scenario and what's going to happen if it doesn't get done or if it doesn't get done well. And as we start revving up in the mind, the body starts revving up and the body produces cortisol in the body. And so the nervous system starts revving up and we enter what is called a sympathetic nervous system state right? And in the sympathetic state, we're basically getting revved up. And if we keep going in that direction, we start experiencing um, these heightened nervous system states where we go into a state of flight or fight or freeze or fawn, right? And this is basically a survival adaptation. The body is designed to respond to external threat in this way so that it can survive. And I'm going to do a deep dive on nervous system stuff um, in the next few episodes. But the key thing to know is we need to know our own nervous systems because our nervous systems really determine our experience of life. I'll give you an example. So if we're already um, anxious, if we're already, you know, wired and charged and, you know, we've had some caffeine and we're having a lot of anxious thoughts, What's happening in our consciousness is that everything is getting contracted, everything is getting squeezed, and everything is getting filtered through that lens of threat and survival. And it's going to be very, very hard for us to feel relaxed and creative and calm and peaceful. And we're literally going to be looking at things and for things that correspond to the level of threat that we feel in our bodies. Now, on the other hand, if we're super relaxed, then the way we interpret situations, people's behaviors, and things in our environment is going to be shaped by that openness, by that softness. So what happens is if we experience a certain threat on the outside, maybe you know someone cuts us off in traffic and screams at us, we're just in a better state. We don't necessarily react or get angry or get triggered we can actually stay calm. And so becoming aware of where our nervous system is 
at any given time, it can be a really, really, really powerful way for you to take more agency and have more sovereignty over your body and on your experience. Next, another way you can really raise your level of consciousness is by seeing suffering, whether that's emotional, whether that's physical, whether that's you know spiritual, as a portal, as a doorway to transformation and not as um, a life sentence in a way, or not as a, a circumstance that is unchangeable, that's designed to make you feel really shitty on the inside, right? This is another key difference between people who are able to take on challenges in life. They're, take, they're able to take risks, they're able to take um, these massive strides forward because they see adversity in a different way than other people who basically get crushed under adversity. Now, this is actually very personal for me too because, you know, in my own life, the death of my father, who we had a very, let's say, strained relationship my whole life, and we were always butting heads, we were always in a state of conflict and you know his passing away became in one way one of my biggest catalysts for my own personal transformation and before i was you know super unhappy super depressed i was extremely successful but i felt you know really broken inside um i had a lot of anxious thinking i just you know was susceptible to a lot of uh, coping mechanisms and escape mechanisms. And, you know, the way I met that experience, I mean, it absolutely crushed me. It was one of the most painful experiences of my life. But seeing it as something that offered a deeper potential for change is what allowed me to come out on the other side of that completely transformed and free of a lot of the suffering that I was creating for myself. Now, you know, albeit this took time, this took some time, it took a few years to really dive into the depths of who I was, to realize my true nature. But the key difference between the people who get crushed by adversity and the people who come out even stronger is that the ones who come out stronger, they see it as a catalyst. They see something deeper than just the surface level circumstance that's in front of them. Next, another great way to raise your level of awareness, your consciousness is to challenge and question your ego. What that means is the ego is the part of us that is always making a story, right? It's that voice in our heads that's always creating a very um, interesting and dramatic narrative around everything that's happening. And in this narrative, we are the stars. We're the central figure in, in this drama. When we accept the stories and the interpretations that the ego makes, then what happens is we get embroiled in this drama 
our life feels like a soap opera. That person said that because, you know, they're out to get us and this is happening here because, you know, we become often victims in this drama. And we get stuck in this, this drama triangle of hero, victim, and villain. And we basically just do a merry-go-round around these characters. And sometimes we're the hero and we feel great. You know, other times someone else is the, the villain and we become the victim. And our life just passes us by as we engage in this meaningless mind drama. And all of it happens in our thinking. And meanwhile, life is passing us by. So the ability to challenge and question the stories we make, the narratives we construct about ourselves, about other people, about the world, is one of the most powerful ways you can elevate your level of consciousness. Next, recognize that how other people behave and respond is actually a reflection of their inner state. Not, it's not about us. When people close to us act in a certain way, they behave in a certain way, we think that just because we're the recipient of that behavior, of those words, those actions, that how they show up is about us, right? And this is what causes us to take things personally, and then we react we respond from this ego-driven place of how dare you say that? How dare you do that? And, you know, this is really the cause of most of the relational conflict we experience. One of the most powerful ways you can free yourself and you can elevate your level of consciousness is by recognizing that, you know, how people act, how they behave, what they say, what they do is actually a product of their ego identity, right? It's not about us. Because the thing is to our ego, it really seems like everything in the world that happens is about us. And this is why people wage wars on the basis of religion, or you know, people go out and riot because they take offense with the, the presidential elections or whatever it may be. We get so caught up in you know, other people's drama because we personalize it. We think that it's actually about us. What happens when we depersonalize, when we see that how people act says a lot more about them than it does about us, it creates a lot of freedom. It creates a lot of space because suddenly I don't need to take anything personally. It's not about me at all. And I'm free to have my inner peace, to have my inner bliss, my joy, my happiness. Next, number eight. <laughs> One of the most powerful ways in which we create suffering is by having expectations. The thing with expectations is that when we have expectations, we always leave room for disappointment. And when we're disappointed, often we don't feel good. Doesn't feel good to be disappointed. Feels like we're let down because we think things need to be a certain way and then they don't turn out to be that way. And then we're really upset. We're really sad, right? So one of the most powerful shifts you can make that 
just skyrockets you in your level of consciousness is minimizing the expectations you create, whether it's expectations for yourself, expectations towards others, expectations of the world. And when, when you do this, when you really drop the expectations on all the things around you, then what happens is you're rarely disappointed because you're rarely attached to certain outcomes. You're rarely attached to certain circumstances. You're rarely attached to things being needing to be a certain way. And again, what happens is you liberate a massive amount of energy that goes into creating these expectations. Because often these expectations are covert contracts. They're little contracts we make with ourselves or with you know, other people or the world at large. We don't communicate these. We say, if things don't happen this way, then I'm gonna be really pissed off. And you know, given that we don't really have control over most things that happen in life, we're often in that place. We're either outraged or we're angry and we project our anger out, right? Or we're really sad, we're really disappointed, we're in anguish. You know, we are expecting someone to fall in love with us and they don't. Feels really shitty. I've been there many times. Or, you know, we expect someone to behave in a certain way because we did something nice to them, nice for them. And maybe they don't react the way we expect them to. And we're really pissed off, right? Aren't you grateful? Don't you see what I'm doing for you? And so allowing these expectations to drop and just becoming present, just unconditionally present with whatever is happening without making demands of it is a really, really, really powerful way to dramatically reduce the suffering that we have the potential to create for ourselves. Number nine, and this is the last one, but really this is, if you can do this, then you're basically at a level of consciousness where you're enlightened. So don't beat yourself up if you can't apply this one or any of these, because this is, it's a process. There's, you know, we all go on a path to realize these things. But this one is the, it's the mother load. <laughs> and I'm going to dive super deep into this, you know, on the show, in the upcoming episodes. I'm going to create actually a program to help you really implement a lot of these principles in your life. So without further ado, the last one is shift your attention from what you're experiencing to who is experiencing. So what this means is most of the time, our attention, our awareness is on the objects that are in our awareness. So what that means is you may be you know, driving right now, listening to this, and your attention is, you know, on, on, the, on the road, on the cars on the road, on the steering wheel, on the traffic lights, on the speedometer, right? There's all these objects in your field, or maybe you're sitting at home with your partner listening to this, 
because you're both growth seekers and you know you want to learn more about your true nature and who you are and improve your life and in your awareness there are all these objects like the objects in your living room but also your partner who's in front of you now most people for most of their life their attention is on the objects in the space of their consciousness these objects aren't just physical though your thoughts are also objects your emotions are also objects your body sensations are also objects and all of these little perceptual units all these things that we can perceive anything we can perceive really is an object now when we focus our attention on the objects on the thoughts on the feelings the sensations the emotions the you know these physical objects people things on social media then all our attention gets wrapped up in these objects and the nature of these objects and the nature of objects is that they're transient right they come and go thoughts come and go emotions come and go sensations come and go people come and go everything comes and goes in life that's the nature of impermanence and so when our attention is on these objects we live in a state of chaos because there's always things coming and going right there's no firm footing for our awareness the only firm footing the only ground of being that is eternal that is solid that is peaceful that's calm and that's stable is awareness itself so you can ask yourself right now how do you know you exist how do you know you're alive and maybe your first response was well you know i see these things i can you know lift my hand up i can see my own hand i can move i can breathe and all these things are still objects when you really take this question you sit with it how do i know i'm alive and you ask this question to any of the 7 odd billion people who are alive the only common answer you'll get is that i'm aware i'm conscious and so in this moment connect to that sense of being conscious connect to that sense of being aware without focusing your attention on something that you are aware of so rather than being an object consciousness being aware of something or a thought or a feeling or a sensation just allow your experience to be at the level of awareness just this resting in the fact that you're aware the experience of being aware and maybe things just start 
softening a little bit. And maybe a space opens up where you see your true nature shining through, your true nature that is peace and happiness and calm and still. This is the real ground of being. This is who you actually are. You're this vast, open, luminous space in which all the objects in your experience arise and disappear. And in this space, you're absolutely limitless. And knowing yourself as this space is the key to realizing your true nature. So until next time, I love you and remember that you are limitless. Thank you for listening to this episode. If you found value, please consider leaving a five-star review to allow the show to reach more people or share this episode via your social media channels. If you're an entrepreneur and want support in exponentially scaling your business, email me at ani at animanian.com. Ani